Welcome to another bonus episode of But Now We Said It. Today we have our full interview with Shane Keogh, son of the OG of the OC, Gina Keogh, from season one of Real Housewives of Orange County. Y'all, we cover everything in this one. Baseball, romance, rabbit shooting, MILFs, you know that heavy MILF culture, and OnlyFans, which I'm happy to report is not banning porn. <laughs> like I said, we talk about everything. Enjoy. Hey, Shane, how's it going? Steve, going well, man. How's everything with you guys? Excited to be here. Everything is great. Give us like an update on your life. Where are you based now? Kind of tell everybody what's going on. What's new with you? Yeah. So as at the moment, I've uh, I've been living in Jacksonville, Florida, Ponte Vedra Beach area since about March of last year. I came to visit my sister and her husband and the kid, uh, my my niece Decker, um, uh, and we got here and COVID hit like the second day I was here. That was when they shut down non-essential businesses, all that stuff. And they were canceling flights back to California. And I just kept staying. I just kept staying. And all of a sudden, you know, I've been here over a year and I don't know what you would have to do to get me back to becoming a California resident again. I go visit, of course, but uh, I like the lifestyle out here. It's fun. There's sun. There's just so much going on. I love getting to see my sister. And uh, I have a niece and a nephew now. Uh, Vaughn is uh, almost five months old. So uh, there's just so much good out here. It just it's filling my cup up a lot. So it's hard to imagine leaving. But other than that, uh, I got my Compass Real Estate uh, shirt on. Actually, uh, I'm in business with my brother-in-law. We have a little put, a boutique brokerage here. Uh, Compass came in and we joined them. So we got that going on. But on the other hand, I, I work in sustainability. I work with startup companies everywhere from uh, companies that inject a, a, a type of ingredient into soil and that helps grass use 50% less water. That's called Rain Systems. Really cool. It's out of Los Angeles, a clean tech company. Really excited for Elaine and Jim Seibert. Um, I also work with another company that we're developing a face protection uh, equipment for kids who want to play uh, use baseball and softball so kids can't get hit in the face and, and have uh, permanent damage. So make the game fun for longer. Um, and then all, all in all for me, you know, sustainability, looking at how we can better people's lives in the future, but also more importantly right now. So, um, you know, we got the passion, we got the business and uh, just trying to enjoy life at a day to day basis. I think, you know, sometimes living in Los Angeles, you get you get away with that. You just try to pay your pricey rent and then you forget and you got to wake up and do it all over again the next day. So um, enjoying myself right now. It's fun. Are you single? Do you have any kids? What What about personal life? I'm currently dating. Um, we've been with each other going on like five months now. Uh, I have a child. She's a six or eight month old Belgian Malinois. So I have a fur baby. <laughs> um, uh, no kids other than that. Like I said, my, my niece and nephew are enough for me right now. Uh, I see what it takes to raise kids and to to grow them the right way. And uh, I, I'm ready for that at some point, but not the current moment. I'm excited, but uh, we'll wait for that. Did you have any clue that this show would become the phenomenon that it did? No, of course not. I, I don't think anybody did. Have you, have you told me that you anticipated this global phenomenon that is still going the way it was? I, you're, you're lying. <laughs> now, did we have confidence that something could come from it and grow? Yeah, of course, because We've all had seen that in different different avenues. My father playing sports. My mother was an actress and playboy and all this stuff. So I was familiar with how things get put together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was a, did some childhood acting. So, you know, cameras and all that stuff was around. So we were all in this weird space. It's like, oh, we're 
it's at our house, but we're kind of still acting. We're trying to like do things. So we got to dress up and make sure we look good and have our hair done. We can't just be bums all the time, you know, and <laughs> which is really what life would actually be like. But um, yeah, it quickly, it quickly got speed. And I noticed where it was going when, so this, you know, 2005, 2006 was kind of like the first year. I, I was just graduating high school. I was going to a small junior college up in Prescott, Arizona. Um, and that's when I really realized like, oh, shoot, this thing's, people see this around the country. Um, and then obviously I got drafted and I was playing in the Midwest and Vancouver, Canada. And like, it was starting to explode. And by that time, I think by 2007 and eight, I think 2008, one of the episodes was the most watched cable show ever. Like that's, that's insane. Um, they put it, you know, I want to say they good... put it on NBC or something and it, yeah, it, it like one of the episodes and it like was huge. Yeah. And I think that was something that, you know, obviously all that notoriety and publicity or whatever, but it's different with a reality, with a reality-based TV. It's not like they see me and they're like, oh, that's the guy who played this character. It's like, no, that's Shane. That's his mom. How's baseball? It's like, oh, they're they're halfway into your life before, like, you introduce yourself. And so that was kind of a unique part is, like, you they felt so connected to you that it was so much different than, like, if I was, like, a uh, an actor celebrity or something like that. This was we always say like the D lister. Cause it's like, we could never be to that a list because we were just so normal to people that we were ashamed. This is, Oh my God, I saw you like make out with a girl or like look like a dumbass trying to drive or whatever. So they just felt like such a different connection. So it was the funniest icebreaker. Cause people were just like from across the bar or halfway around the ballpark, they'd come around and it's like, Hey, Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. All these things. And it's like, Whoa, like, they know everything about me and I don't even know their name yet. So that was kind of the cool part of it. When you knew that you guys were going to be doing this project, were you excited? Were you nervous or were you like, I don't want to do this? I think for me at that time, we were still kind of used to that space. You know, obviously I did some acting as a kid. My mom was in Playboy. So I was already familiar with like people coming to me and being familiar with my life a little bit. So for us, it was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. We get to do this stuff. And at that point, reality TV was like, there was nothing really in that sphere yet. And I think I was, look, I was trying to remember some stuff. And I remember that was the writer strike. This whole beginning phase of this was there was, so everything else on TV was like the old stuff that everyone's already seen. There was nothing new. I mean, obviously stuff was coming out, but this was really like the network, the easiest thing to get to like Bravo was like, no one knew what that even was at that point. And so you had all this new stuff with these like people where you didn't know what the hell was coming up. It's like with this sh- a show, it's like you can go ahead and like, okay, episode two, this is where it's going to go, blah, blah, blah. It's like with this, it's like every minute you have no idea what's coming. Now, like things started getting a little bit more like tailored and people started figuring out, okay, like this is how I got to be. This is what I got to look like. And this is what I need to like present myself as. But in the beginning, it was just like, okay, we got it. We're filming Friday and Saturday. What are we going to do? Uh, okay. Well, let's just make stuff up. Like, Oh, let's have people over. We'll underage drink. It'll be great. Yeah. It's gonna be perfect. <laughs> Things will turn out great. Like what were your expectations of the show? And was it how similar or different was it like going into it? I don't know if I had expectations. Cause again, it was just 18, 19 for me was graduating, getting drafted, trying to go pro in baseball the show was a part of this. So it's like I filmed in like the fall mm-hmm. and then the shows would air in the summer when I was gone. And then again, we'd come back for the fall. So like my presence started dwindling quickly cause I was just gone. Right. When they were trying to film and do stuff, I'm out. 
Right. So actually it was reversed. They would film in the summer and they'd shoot in the fall or okay. air in the fall. So the summers I'm gone, I'm playing baseball. I was in Vancouver, Canada. I was in uh, King County, Illinois, Northern California. So for me, it was just, my time was, was getting a lot more uh, reduction in it. And then the, I came home one time from Chicago, surprised my mom. She almost punched me thinking I was some like, like <laughs> trying to break into her house. She didn't recognize me. I had like, my hair was all grown out. I'd probably gained 15 pounds. She had no idea who I was. It freaked her out. That's um, so funny. But yeah, so that that the expectations just constantly changed because a like I always anticipated things that we were part of being big. That was just how we grew up. Like if you do something, productions go big. If you sign up for a show, it's getting big. You know, and and that was just what we expected. And you know, we trusted Scott. We trusted you know the people on set. And I was making the joke with Andy, and I asked him, I was like, dude, you've been a part of this for twenty years too. Like this was you were you were my age. Like what the hell? Like this is crazy to think about now. <laughs> so it was nobody expected this. This was something that took everyone by storm. In time, they realize how big it was. You're like, oh shoot, can I reel in all the crap I was doing <laughs> and how I acted? Like. Yeah. You're trying to reel it in and, and it doesn't work that way. And so people still come up to me and act like I'm 18 years old. It's like, dude, I'm 35 next month. I got a bad knee. My back hurts. I've had shoulder surgery. It's like, I, these are not, I'm not 18. I, you know, if you think I was a jerk then, like you have, things are a little different. And so right. that's kind of, I'm like stuck in this time capsule where most of the world thinks I'm 18 or 19 years old. And so the expectation for me is always different because people have weird expectations for me. And then when they meet me or see me on social media doing nothing in that space anymore um, and talking about environmentalism or, or something else, like, wait a second, who is this guy? I thought he was just a douchebag who was mean to his mom one time. Um, <laughs> you know, so that <laughs> expectations, man, they, you can't hold on to them too long because they're always going to change. And reality show was made for that there was mm -hmm. there's no script give people some alcohol give people a space to congregate and just turn on the camera and you're gonna get some crap to happen and that was evident every time it was you put someone in a room who's heard a few whispers from another person back in here and all of a sudden it's like boom explosion you have no idea what's gonna happen just have the camera rolling and, and get some stuff and and that was that was what it was would you join another reality show if you were ever approached Ooh, I don't know about joining because a I don't know what context it would have to be in for me to even be worth it to be on. Like I said, I'm I'm a pretty standard 35 year old guy. I mean my my flair is is a lot less entertaining than it probably was when I was 18 or 19. Um, but I like I said, I do content and stuff every once in a while. We do a lot of stuff for the companies I I'm re representing or we're helping to grow. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if it was a reality show, it would probably be like more environmental nature or something like that. Or, you know, maybe like a, a quick five or six, you know, sh episode series talking about the history of these types of shows. But I, I don't know. I'm just not I'm not cool and, and crazy enough anymore where I think I'd be entertaining. Uh, maybe I could be like a, a step in consultant where I got to try to calm someone else down. Be like, look, this is how it's going to go. They're going to mess you up. This is how... You know, maybe I could be like the, the reality show whisperer to the new the new age and try to help them. But then again, it's not as fun to watch. So, again, I'd be trying to taper things down and put out fires. And they'd be like, oh, shit, get out of here. We need that fire. <laughs> so when you said you did acting when you were younger, what what was it? Movies, commercials, TV? Uh, a little bit of both. So actually, the, the funny story was the first Santa Claus, uh, Tim Allen and stuff like that. I was casted for The Sun. 
We were in negotiations, going through all that stuff. So I was supposed to be that bowl cut kid who was Tim Stop. Allen's son in the first. And the mother who was supposed to play alongside with me, I don't remember what the situation was, but she wasn't going to be a part of the movie anymore. And so they changed moms. And then this kid looked more like the new casted mom. And so he went on to, to take that role. So um, but other than that, I did some, you know, a couple like bottling jobs, some random commercial stuff like that. My sister was uh, did a couple big movies, Outbreak, which they played on repeat when COVID hit. So that <laughs> yes. was entertaining. Um, but yeah, so little stuff like that. So I'd been, I, you know, I would miss school on a Thursday and drive up to LA mom to go to a casting and come back. And so we wonder why I got terrible grades to kid, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did enough of that to know like, okay, where spots are, you know, what, when to speak, when to not speak, who people are and where they're moving and how just like Jerry rigged stuff was, you go on like a big set and you think it's all extravagant. Like, that's a lamp with a shirt on it. Like <laughs> this guy's holding up a, like a, a, a thing you go tanning with to deflect. It's just like, this is, this is all like bootstrap stuff. Like right. this is not high, high efficiency. There's nothing expensive here. And then I actually, after I got done playing baseball, uh, I did a few independent films um, uh, based on um, uh, kind of like 50 shades of gray uh, for gay men. And so we had like mm -hmm. these, whole situations and I flew up to New Mexico and we did um, the go fest, which was a big um, LGBTQ film festival in Philadelphia. And so that was like a whole experience. I got to kiss a guy with a beard. I mean, life was different. And um, yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to yeah. tell us the name of that independent film. <laughs> so that was uh, the first one was capital games. Okay. So it's uh, yeah. And that was about two straight men who like find love for each other via like com competition at work. Um, and then the second one was called, I think it was called naked dragon. So it was about like a serial killer who targets Asian men. And I was a straight FBI agent. So that one, I got to like, you know, have the comb over and wear a, <laughs> wear a suit and have a gun and drive the police car and do all that stuff. So I went from a, a, a gay attorney who was trying to, uh, wanted to profess his love for his roommate who was falling in love for another man. And uh, you know, got the smooch him before his wedding. He had a big beard and stuff and, um, all stuff he was not ready for, by the way, the director was like, yeah, just kiss him right now. He's like, not tell him, no, just go for it. <laughs> so, all those, all those years of, uh, the Bravo situation where everyone thought I was gay. Like I got to play that and, and, you know, enjoy myself. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. I want to say doing this rewatch, I'm impressed with how well you handled the, like, thought of people just like calling you gay or assuming or just even addressing the topic like in your confessionals and all of that oh yeah my dad calls me gay or like oh people think I'm gay all the time because of this this and that because I was I'm two years younger than you but when I was in high school and I am I am gay and if anyone called anyone gay it was so triggering because it's well one for me you know being gay of course I was in the closet and like terrified but other straight people would take it like a step further and get like oh my god I keep, I'm, I'm not a faggot or I'm not this I'm not that like yeah and like be really defensive about it but you literally took it and was like yeah no I'm, I'm not I'm just this is where I'm at right now in life and I have to say it that yeah. shocked me in my rewatch I applaud you yeah that. Uh, you know what and I think and again like I think everybody and I it's, it's such a tough situation because now I feel like if you were in the same situation as a high schooler now the path to that would be a lot smoother. Obviously mm -hmm. there's always going to be that 
that bigotry, that people that just can't even imagine it. But it was always something that it was just never a big deal to me. I just right. never really cared. You love whoever you love and it didn't matter. And I was comfortable enough in myself to where it was almost like comical. It was like, wow, like people really think that. Okay. Like, again, it started so many conversations. It provided me so many opportunities to have so many friends that, that are gay or or were confused or, or didn't know what they wanted to be. And um, it just gave me such an opportunity to realize, like, I, w I felt lucky to be comfortable in myself at that moment. And also, too, like, I was a star athlete. You could think whatever I want, but I was I could dunk on you. So mm -hmm. it, it was different. And I think, again, I it was comfortable enough for me because I knew that I wasn't. But at the same time, I didn't care if if I was at that time. Right. If I really was gay and that was something where I was – I didn't care. I felt comfortable enough making that choice one way or the other. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we go down our paths and we come become who we're going to become. And you can't force people to be something else because it, they're, you can't, it's not fair. It's right. not fair to put that on somebody. And I knew if I couldn't compose myself in those moments that like, what would that say for someone who's actually struggling with that? Yeah. And so again, again, I think the, history of being on TV or at least being in front of camera before and being on set with people that were gay and seeing them like be such badasses and do such crazy things. You're like, you know what? Like that doesn't matter. Like my dad had teammates that were gay that no one knew they were gay till after they retired. And you're like, wait a second. Like that was the baddest dude on the team. Like if we were right. getting in a fight, I'm picking him first. And, you know, and I saw it when I was playing and um, again, it was just such a, it was such a different world in the, that time period. And, I'm glad that I was able to stand and be strong about that moment and not be typical yeah. uh, for someone, a uh, hetero male. But because I, I guess I just knew enough people that at least I felt were in the closet or struggling with that decision. And I knew that that it was so much harder for, for them that I'm on TV. People think I'm gay. Joe made a joke about it. And now, like, I, it, it didn't hurt me at all, but I, I can only imagine if that was actually my struggle. So, um, you know, kudos for you for, you know, dealing with that and, and not letting someone disrupt your path and, and being happy and being married and, and going through that because that's the, that's the goal. I mean, if, if you're unhappy about someone else's happiness, you're probably just really unhappy. And Amen. I think that I think that's it. You got to you can't love yourself. So don't try to determine someone else's love because you can't even love your own self. I feel bad for you. Let's talk about some of the show moments of season one. So tell us about your baseball career. I know you started, you know, we saw what happened as far as like the initial draft issue. After that, can you tell us what happened or like the span of your baseball career, essentially? So in 2005, I was a senior. Mm -hmm. Um, I got drafted out of high school at that time. They had a, a, a situation called the draft and follow where it was basically made for kids who were coming out of junior college or, you know, didn't start playing baseball till they were a little bit older. So they just needed more time, but teams wanted to put them under control and keep an eye on them and see them progress and have kind of the first right of refusal. So I got drafted in 2005, really late, um, which was something we were kind of expecting. And when I got drafted, I, I wasn't even home watching. I got a call from mom and she told me. Um, so it was something we expected because I was still pretty raw. I was learn I was switch hitting and all these different things. So it was just something that we anticipated. Like, look, you're going to go play junior, junior college, do well. And then from there, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll go on. And so I got drafted in 2005 and went to junior college in Prescott, Arizona. I do so have one I quick question. From, please. I, I yeah. remember 
So you initially, I know it was late, but you were drafted mm-hmm. for the Oakland A's, correct? Initially. Yes. So what, yes. I wasn't necessarily clear on why would you not want to do the Oakland A's right away? Why would you not want to do that and go to junior college instead? Yeah, so it's kind of, it, it's a it's a business play. I was drafted, I think, in the 36th round. And right. So basically, if I would have signed then, I basically would have got like a plane ticket. Like, oh, um, play and you know you you'll you'll start the base minor league salary which is like 2500 bucks a month yeah so like you're not making a lot of money outside of your signing bonus so at that point and again my dad was a scout and we had enough people around me i was playing in the right showcases where i was like look go to junior college for one year if you do well you'll then get drafted high or you'll sign they'll have to sign you for a lot of money so i was with the a's all the way up till draft day uh, in the next June. So June of 06. So we were in the Junior College World Series, about to fly to Oakland at the end of the week after we're done with our World Series in Grand Junction, uh, Colorado. I broke my back the first game and didn't know I broke it. I thought I like strained it really bad. So I ended up having a stress fracture in my lower back, thought I tweaked it. So we played, I think, six more games. Um, You know, I was a starting center fielder. uh, So I was and I was fast. So everything I did had to be fast, aggressive, go after everything, every ground ball, you could beat it out, all these things. And, you know, in the mornings, I'd wake up and go to the chiropractor and get massages and get ice and stem and all the things that I shouldn't have been doing. I should have been literally in a brace, like not moving for six months, which I eventually had to do. So we go through that. I sign in June later that year after the season and the World Series run was over. I fly to Oakland, sign my contract. Um, And at that point, I signed for what would be the equivalent of like a seventh rounder. Okay. Um, Which again, was much better better than where I was at the beginning. So up to breaking my back, I had got more games. I was hitting with wood bats the whole time. We were wood bat league instead of hitting with metal. Uh, I was ranked uh, top 100 in the country. Our team was number one ranked in the country. So all things that would have been really good for getting more money and having a better, you know, start to my career, obviously breaking my back, uh, sent me back literally. Um, so <laughs> we, I sign, I go home for like four or five days, kind of readjust, pack, go to Phoenix. Second, first day, something like that. I'm just like, man, I don't feel right. Something's off. So like, you know, we're going to shut you down two weeks, two weeks go by. I start ramping back up, I'm like hitting with fungos. I'm hitting the ball. I'm like, man, I'm not, something's not right. So I get all these crazy scans and yeah, I, I had a, a fracture in my lower lumbar. So flew back to LA, had a whole like brace, like molded around my midsection with big straps, had to wear it for six months. I went from 210 pounds, like 160 pounds. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't, wasn't allowed to do much activity. So I missed my whole first year and the like short part of the next year. And so the next year got ready, was ready to go. Um, and then that's when I was in Vancouver, Canada, which nobody should be out of there trying to like focus on their career at 19 years old because it's an amazing place. Right. You know, the drinking age, the food, the, it was not good for me. I went from, <laughs> you know, and at that point, like you're, you think you're invincible. Like I had just came back from an injury. I was a like, cool, I'm going to be in the big leagues, all this. I thought I was a big league dude acting like big league stuff in a big league city. Um, 
And then the next year I'm in like a, a small town in Illinois. And then I'm in Stockton the next two years, which when I was there, it was the foreclosure capital of the country in 2009 and 10. Um, but it was again, weird stuff. Like I probably shouldn't have been there if I didn't get hurt, but because I got hurt, I was there at that time and got to see a city in ruins basically, but we were selling, like we were record selling season tickets and game tickets for our games. So it's like, wow, like in the midst of all this craziness, people were coming to the games and all this stuff. So I saw the power and what we're doing, but my last game was July 3rd, 2010, which is my father's birthday, which was kind of always weird. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, that oh, was wow. the last time I played, uh, was 2010. I did some, like, yeah, I tried to do a comeback, like later on, I found that I had a, a tore up knee that I had to have surgery on and I was going to play basketball in junior college and all this stuff. So thought about going back around 2012, I was maybe going to try to go back and, um, just never, never went all the way through it. And then I realized I had some, some cooler opportunities with sustainability and some things like that. So. Uh, you know, my career had had a few ups and downs for sure. But um, yeah, started in 05, ended in 0, uh, 2010. Um, I didn't pick up a bat or a ball till probably 2017, I think, when I was oh, wow. uh, work, working at a buddy's facility, doing uh, hitting and pitching lessons for kids and kind of like started enjoying the game again and like right. helping kids enjoy the game. And that gave me so much closure for, for my career. Like that I'm glad I never went back and got to kind of remember the good parts of what the game does and how you, you got to have fun. Cause I lost that. It became such a business for me. And then the, the pressure of the show and my dad was struggling with uh, some addiction at that time. And um, you know, you just, you, I wasn't in the right headspace. I, I didn't have like the right kind of mentality going in and, and that hurts. You, you got to really, you got to be in the right space. And that's why these guys spend, so much money on uh, sports psychologists and sleep uh, sleep technology because uh, if your brain's not in it, it doesn't matter how good of shape you are, you're you're gonna struggle. When when you eventually do have kids, do you feel like you want to approach the sports thing differently, or do you think you want to you want to build the powerhouse thing again, but maybe in a different way, or just how how do you think you would want to protect? the fun of the game while also allowing your son or other kids that you are maybe helping capitalize on their talents. Yeah. And you said it right there, like the fun of the game, like it is at the base is it's a game, you know, the right. business and all that stuff came later. Um, that's why uh, Latin players, they saved baseball at one point, because when you go to like Cuba or Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic and watch a baseball game, it's like a jazz festival. They got DJs and, cheerleaders and there's music and it's 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 an event baseball in the united states for a while was like almost as quiet and boring as a round of golf um <laughs> and i think for me like i learned so early about the business you know my dad was a part of the Moneyball era where it was like boring walks you know based on ball it was all these like statistics and analyzation of guys it didn't matter if they were big or fast or strong it was just like move from one base to another, to another score, base, base, score, where, you know, you grow up as a kid and it's, it's fun. It's, you're playing all the positions and you're running around and that's how it should be. I had a great coach when I was a kid, Steve Mira, uh, who played professionally and he just worked so hard to make practice and the games fun for us, but most importantly for the parents, because for the most part, 
the average parent has no idea what they're doing when it comes to teaching anybody about a sport. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone who's listening has heard about like squish the bug when you're talking about baseball, like it's rotating your back foot, like you're stepping on a bug, which is actually the opposite of what you should be doing. You shouldn't have that mentality. So we were all taught one thing and it's completely opposite. And I learned so much when I started teaching kids when I was living in Los Angeles, because I remembered like, wait a second, like I got to tell the dad, like, go sit over there. Like you're paying this, just you're listening, you're learning too, because you got to take this with you because you're, I only get an hour. You're with him the rest of the time. Right. You're teaching them too. So it was so much more about like converting their mentality to aggressive and trying to do damage instead of, okay, how do I stop this ball? Like I'm whacking a, a bug trying to smack me in the face. Right. It was all about like transforming their mentality to being aggressive. And you would just see kids transform in like one swing. And that, and it reminded me like, wait, I had lost that. I had lost that that fun, that aggressiveness. When I do have children, I try to do this with my niece. Like, yeah, you do got to make it competitive and show them like, hey, like when you're actually playing in a game, someone's trying to beat you. But you have to have, you got to have fun. You got to have fun with your teammates. You got to enjoy the process because uh, you, you, the, the adage for baseball is if you fail seven out of 10 times, you're in the Hall of Fame. That's 30%. You're hitting 300. In any other walk of life, that's terrible. Right. But in baseball, if you could get to 300, three out of 10 times, you're going to play a long time and make a ton of money. But if you go two out of 10, you're going to have a short career like I did. Um, and so for me, it's just like you, you got to enjoy it. You got to recognize that anytime you're dangerous, um, you can be the one to make a difference. You can't get it all back on one swing. Um, but you just got to know, like, you know, what? I'm going to do this because I put the work in, I've hit a hundred balls and I've ran a thousand routes and I've done all this stuff because I put the work in, you know, I struggled right. with realizing like, wait a second, my athleticism only takes you so far and you got to get your psyche, right. You got to have the daily you know, joy. You got to be able to like go back to your house and decompress. I, I wasn't right. good at that. And now I look back and, you know, I'm glad that I've learned from that because I did struggle with those things. I didn't learn those things. So I became an adult when life starts kicking you in the dick really hard. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, it took me a while. Real quick. We have to take a break. So your brother also played as well, right? He was really good. Did he end up doing more baseball throughout after high school or just um, in high school? Yeah, so he did something similar. He was drafted out of high school. He was he had a really good arm. He threw really hard. Um, but when he got drafted and he went to junior college for a little bit, uh, you know, we talk about love and what you do. And he just, you could tell he just, he didn't love it. He mm -hmm. didn't love regardless of how talented he was, he just didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't enjoy it the same way. And that was right at the same time I was getting released. And, you know, when you see your brother uh, struggling and getting his his life ending in a way, I think it kind of took some of the joy out for him. And he would already kind of had that in the back of his mind. And that was kind of just like the icing on the cake was like, you know what, like, this is this is a tough world. It's a tough life. Even if you're towards the top, it's still tough. Yeah. Um, you're, you're the ridicule and all those stuff that you can, you can suffer with and you still have, there's no guarantee that you're going to make it. Yeah. Um, you know, you could be the best in your school team and all of a sudden you get to the, the, the minor leagues and you're like, wait a second, like I'm playing against guys who, you know, were coming from a, a country where they didn't even own a glove and wow. they, like, I didn't have that fire. 
because I had something to go back to. And, right. you know, I, I can't remember what the boxer said. He's like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to fight in silk pajamas. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think I was, I had silk pajamas for a while and then they got quickly stripped and I was sitting there, you know, naked and with no other skills, uh, no other really abilities outside of just being a physically gifted person at the time. And, those things diminish. I saw my knee, I saw my shoulder, I saw my back. And it's like, wow, I'm just a kind of average six foot three white guy with brown hair uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> in a state where that's basically all you got. Uh, and, you know, and it was the same thing when I went into like uh, auditions and stuff. And you go and I was with LA Models, a top agency and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, again, I'm just another six foot three white guy with brown hair. Uh, with 3% body fat, like I didn't, there was, I didn't feel unique anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to find a space where I felt like I could bring some value and be unique again. And that's where I I ended up in sustainability. And I didn't realize I had such passion for that until I kind of accidentally ended up there. Right. And uh, I, I can't stop now. It's been going almost 10 years and uh, wherever it's taken me, it just keeps getting better. I keep meeting people with so much passion and vigor for what they're doing. And it makes me happy because I didn't see that a lot in the other industries. I didn't see that a lot in the sports world. I didn't see that a lot in the entertainment space where you talk to somebody, you can really see the joy in their face. Yeah. Um, there's a comedian. What's his name? Uh, Bill Burr, I think his name. He's mm-hmm. kind of like the, the bald. Uh, I think he was redhead for a long time. Now he's bald, but he was joking about marriage and he's like, why everyone's getting married? Like, doesn't anyone know the stats? And, uh, <laughs> He goes, I'll get married when I ask a guy what it's like to be married and I see joy in his face. Because every time I talk to a married guy, he always acts like he's got uh, like appendicitis is what he looks like. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's great. And he starts like crumpling down. And I'm like, oh, that's so funny. And when I got done playing baseball, I would interview in all these different spaces, uh, commercial real estate, uh, headhunting, all these different places. You talk to these people, you're like, this, this person isn't happy or they look exhausted right. or they look 10 years older than they really are. And when I got into the world of sustainability, everyone I talked to was just full of life and excited and ready to do something. And, and that, it just gave me such joy. The major like theme I felt like with y'all was the sibling rivalry of season one. How are you guys now? Yeah, it's funny looking back and there's so many moments where, you know, we're again, you're just trying to like prove yourself to your parents, but you're also trying to like look a certain way for for an audience or something. And, you know, you're trying to be a big brother and, you know, me being the oldest and the the my father having kind of his issues and he was gone a lot. I felt like I had roles I had to play. I had to be the older brother and be tough, but then I had to like be the disciplinary one and not let my sister go out and what she was wearing and all that jazz. And um, you know, I think we all kind of had our tense moments. You know, I think my brother and I had uh, a, a section of life where we were kind of at odds ends for a while where maybe we didn't agree. We had a couple of disagreements and I was living in Los Angeles doing stuff, starting a life. And uh, my brother was in Orange County starting a life. My sister was living in Florida at the time or going to UCLA. And, um, you know, so I think for a while we all, it, it was weird. It was weird to kind of grow together because we all grew up in such different situations. My younger years, I grew up in like Japan and stuff like that when I was uh, traveling my father and my parents. And then, you know, my brother was born right after my father got hit in the head and was never the same. And I was adjusting to that. And then, 
you know, my sister was my little sister and, you know, for a while, like she was, uh, as close as you get, like, you know, to Apple, like she's, mm-hmm. she's your little sister. And then all of a sudden she's like, wait a second. Like, why is your thong sticking out of your pants? Like, why are you hitting it? Like, like it, it's, there's, there's like, it just like, it becomes the line of demarcations. Like, Oh, she's so cute. Like what the F like, why are you doing that? Um, and so like, I think we, like, again, you're, we were all immature. We were all, but we're also like witty and, oh, you know, yes. intelligent because we've seen so much, but then like, we're trying to apply that to life and we're trying to, you know, step out on our own. And it was, it, there's always that. And, right. but now like, we're all so close now because, you know, I grew up, I, I lived around my brother a lot recently. Um, you know, we've had a chance to kind of like get back together and get out there and play golf and, and share opinions as an adult. Um, and then now my sister and I, I see her every day cause I'm here. Uh, and I came out here, uh, right before, uh, we lost McCoy and, being with her basically every night and, you know, seeing her go through what she had to go through either, you know, prior to uh, giving birth and after the loss and still having to deal with the physical uh, situations that a a new mother has to deal with and not have a baby and just being there and crying with her and laughing with her and watching goofy shows that weren't triggering because everything made us upset. And, um, you know, I think we've all just, became so much closer and I, I just think like we all had grown up in such a life where you know everyone has losses but like not those types of losses you know right. getting released is different than losing your brand your newborn nephew and your father in the right. same two-month period um in in a time where you couldn't go hug your grandparents because it was too dangerous i couldn't go see my father's parents till recently, almost a year plus after he passed away. Um, and so like, we've just all, I think we've came to appreciate each other all over again because we're, we're back together again. How's uncle Richie? <laughs> uncle Richie, man, <laughs> he's going to love that. He got brought up. He's going to love that. Uh, Richard's great. And again, like my sports brought Richard to our life. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard's father was, a big supporter of the Oakland A's and my dad was playing. My dad was 23, 24 years old and Richard was the bat boy, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and they had a great relationship and, you know, Richard, one of my funkles, you know, my (laughs) fake uncles. um, I I spent plenty of times with a fake ID uh, with Richard down at restaurants I shouldn't have been at, um, you know, being his wingman and all that stuff. And, you know, we've had a lot of fun together. Um, He actually, he uh, he he adopted my pit bull Tessa. He's uh, he lives down in Encinitas now, and uh, Richard's great. He uh, he's retired. He's he's living life. So all you single ladies looking for a, a good beach view, call Richard. He's uh, he's got one for you. Also, I do no. have to call you out on your drink of choice that night was a screwdriver. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> a night. Ooh. I've never. I don't know that I've ever had a screwdriver at a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've. <laughs> See, I was weirdly, I, I was like ahead, but behind all at the same time. Yeah, man, a screwdriver. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I see. I, that's funny. I like need to do the rewatching of those things because I, I forget like this. I feel like I, you know, people talk about like, oh, I previous life. Like literally I forget that stuff. Like, wow, that was a, my part of life. Wow. I played baseball. Like, wow. Yeah. Now like it, it forget like those are 10 going on 15 years now it's like Mm -hmm. 2005 is rapidly 20 years around the corner and it's like holy crap like what a joke and it's like now like i said 
looking back, being 35 almost, and and seeing what I was doing at 18 and how I was acting and, and how lucky I was that I didn't keep going down some crazy path, um, you know, because I, I think a lot of people, you know, could have or did for a while and they came back. And I think I definitely may have said some off the wall things and, and made myself look silly, but um, I pretty, usually can justify things I've said, but. Like I said, you you throw kids in a situation where they feel invincible. Uh, I learned from my niece all the time. When she knows that nothing bad's going to happen, she acts a fool. <laughs> I can't imagine 18, 19 years old with some, you know, half-ass cachet and a couple drinks in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, no shot. I have to say, though, like, for, yes, of course, there were things that were said and stuff that, you know, and were acting crazy at 18 and 19. There was... Although a level of maturity there that you had that I know most 18 or 19 year old boys did not have. And one of, I mean, two of, I guess I would say the moments that stick out to me from that is one, you and your mom were sitting at the table. It was, might've been the first group filming event or something. And Joe and Slade were there and you were she asked you about her and you're like, Oh, she's beautiful. And then you described Joe and Slade's relationship just by watching their interactions and how Slade was like pulling her. Oh, like... It was like, he's, he's trying to isolate her. He doesn't want other people to talk to her right now because <laughs> this, this and that he's like, he's, you know, she was like, do you think he's jealous? And you're like, no, he's not jealous. He's just trying to, you had like nailed it right on the head. No, and funny. it was insane. And I'm like, he is 18 years old. He's not even he is not even interested in dating girls right now. And he literally just yeah. nailed all of that right there. Yeah, it was hysterical. And then um, the other thing, like the sexuality thing, the way you handled that, like that to me was a mature way to handle something. So although, yeah. of course, you there were things that and we all make mistakes, but there was this level of maturity that you had that probably helped you not go on those that path that you're speaking yeah. of, you know? There was definitely, I had a level of uh, reserve, but actually someone sent me, a posted some on Instagram and it was like a screenshot of their TV and it's me, 18 years old, earrings, like too many necklaces <laughs> and this, this, you could see the subtitles. I'm just not interested in sex right now. Like, yes. <laughs> Literally, you like, went into full wow. detail. You were like, yeah. I'm a virgin. I, I just don't have oh, – I'm not man. interested in sex right now. I, um, oh, my. It's, again, something that you felt like it's okay. That's all okay. But I feel like so many more straight men at that age are, like, trying to prove something about – their sexuality yeah. and sexual experience and all of that. You were just <laughs> I like, knew I didn't have, I didn't have any, <laughs> I knew I was a virgin. I wasn't trying to pretend I wasn't, I guess. And, well, and it was fun. I think people think people like always and like thought I was messing around. So people oh. never took me seriously, but I was like, I'm actually just being so honest that I, what he, I think he said it in Yellowstone. He's like, that sounds so crazy. It might work. And it was like, <laughs> I was, I felt like I was so upfront and so blatantly honest or just like ignorance is bliss. Like, yeah, whatever. Like not even understanding the repercussions of like what that was going to be or what that was going to do for me when I stepped out into the real world and people think I'm a virgin and, you know, (laughs) are you a virgin? Like, oh, I'm ready to, (laughs) at 35, (laughs) no, 
No, I, I can say that 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 uh, that ended. But, uh, and then I had like the 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 downhill spiral of like, oh, then I, now I got to prove everything. And, right. And I, I think I went through a, a, enough enough you know trials to where you know uh, moderation is key. And I, I'm very lucky. I don't have some children running around I don't know about. I mean, there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I felt like I I saw what reservation looked like. My dad was a reserved guy. My mom could very easily not be at any given time. And I felt like, you know, just sit back, let things happen, be honest. I don't want to be first through the door, but I, you know, I'll let people go through and take their shots. Okay. I'll, I'll step in now and see how it works. And, um, you know, I was usually late to parties, but I felt like when I got there, I I tried to make things happen. Well, I'm glad to hear you're not the 35 year old virgin. (laughs) And if you guys are, it's okay. Talk about a show. Right. That'd be it. What's the deal with, the rabbits. There was a big theme about you <laughs> shooting rabbits all season. Yep. Are rabbits yep. really that terrible in Orange County, California? <laughs> no, no. So again, that was that span where it was like, Hey, we got this, we got cameras, we got stuff. What do we do with it? And you know, I was, I, my father, we hunt and we fished at that time. Yeah. And so having a BB gun and my mom, we had just gotten this new house and we had this big old thing of grass and she hated the rabbits coming and eating the grass. So, I knew my dad, if he was around at the time, would have set up shop and just shot him, got rid of him, <laughs> and you know whatever. So I was like, "Cool, that's what I'll do. I'll just shoot the rabbits and in the yard so they stop eating the grass. So I'll be happy. Bing, bang, boom. Camera crew production. Like, oh my god, this is great. Blah blah blah. You should go do this at Joe's house. Why Slade's at work? And again, I'm 18 years old. Like, cool. I'm gonna go do my job, kill these rabbits, and you know. And then Joe's there with a cocktail, yes. you know, dressed nicely and asking funny questions and i'm just focused on killing rabbits and you really you know yeah (laughs) that's that was that's where the the question about my sexuality came up because i'm you know so i have adhd so like when i'm focused on something it's like like super focused and you and me you know it doesn't happen (laughs) and so yeah and so i'm there like okay there's a rabbit i gotta like be quiet like i'm a hunter like i knew what i was supposed to be doing so she's there with a cocktail, like, you know, and again, she's, she's like not even 30 at the time. No, she was 24. I don't, I don't believe so. So, I mean, like, yeah. yikes, like <laughs> that was a, a, a ready to go, uh, fully functioning woman. And I'm just like, nope, rabbits. nope, like, rabbits. <laughs> and so, and that was like, she's like, wait a second. Like this kid doesn't give an F right now. Like, are you gay? And then they left that cliffhanger. And then, yeah. so that question just spot. And again, so. You shoot that in the summer, it doesn't air till the fall. Right. And all of a sudden, like, there's this qu- this question just lingers and lingers, and it never really gets answered because I'm a virgin. You don't see right. me making – and then you, we go to Mexico, and like, okay, is he bi? Is he, like, right. just trying to beard this? And it's just, like, it kept rolling on. And, and now I have, like, so many friends that are gay, and, like, there's <laughs> – always this joke like you sure you don't want to try it for a day and it's just like oh i can't uh, wait again, to I'm, see or read yeah. the the questions some of because i did put up yeah. like uh questions for shane on my instagram and <laughs> some of the things people want to say to you is you're i hope you enjoy it <laughs> 
Yeah, no, yes. I, I usually do. Yeah, I, I usually know. Like, there's there's ten. I'll warm up with or... one saying, "Can he sit on my face?" So there you go. Oh yes, there we go. There we go. Right out the gate. Well, speaking of that Joe situation, so I also, of course, interviewed Joe and I asked her, but I'm going to ask you too. Did you guys ever nope. hook up? No, that's always been the question. Again, she was 24. I think I was 18. The timing was weird. I felt like she was a friend of the family and Slade and then, you know, all these other things. And and then life separated so quickly. Um, And now she's happily in a relationship and doing her thing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all friends and stuff. But no, we never got to that point. There is this other culture that, or theme, I would say, throughout the first season. And I like to um, affectionately call it MILF culture. In Orange County? <laughs> yeah. So the, the that was like a big tops. thing. Yeah, literally yeah. all of the moms, like there was talk and you guys had a conversation. I don't know if it was you and your friend at the time, but all the moms are like into into Shane. Everyone wants to, everyone wants Shane. Is that like truly a big thing in Orange County? Like the moms and like the fresh out of high school, 18 year olds, or was that just a you thing or? I don't know. I guess like for me, it was different because I had facial hair, like as a sophomore right. in high school. So I probably like visually was like, okay, we could make this mistake because he has facial hair. It's right. different. You know, where most of my friends don't didn't have facial hair until like three weeks ago. Right. Um, you know, and again, like I think going into any any culture really any city whatever it's like there's always the parents that are willing to cross the line um i think there was a there was a situation in our high school where there was a the cool house where they always let you have parties and then you find out it's like oh the mom's just like sleeping with high school kids so (laughs) i don't i don't don't know too much yeah (laughs) but that's stuff that i've heard about here in florida that's stuff i heard about with friends in texas so um yeah i think again i was six foot three same as I am now, right? With facial hair, just minus crow's feet and all the other stuff. So, um, you know, yeah, I don't know if it was anything particular. It was just like, okay, like I, I fit enough with the check boxes, minus that I couldn't drive or drink legally. So, right there, you I go. Think other than that, I think other than that, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Um, Again, I was so, I was so, I was so ignorantly blissed all this stuff. I probably wouldn't have known a difference anyway. Like, oh, she hitting on me? Right. Kill a rabbit. <laughs> Are you still in contact with any of your the other kids of the show? And did you know all of these people prior to starting the show? So the only people I knew prior to starting were Vicky's family because they were literally three houses away. Mm-hmm. So Brianna and her brother, like I knew enough about them and heard about them. They were at the different high school and all that stuff. But it's like they lived up the street from me. And then all the other kids started coming in later and I didn't even know who any of them were, you know, because oh, they wow. were all in our community anymore they started branching out to different parts of the city so once people started coming on i stopped knowing people and again i was gone a lot of time you know you start Mm -hmm. getting uh like Lori's kids you know i know ashley Mm -hmm. um you know her little brother and stuff and then you know you had oh like lynn and her two kids and all this stuff and they went down some some interesting paths did you do you stay in touch with any of them like brianna or um like Michael or any of the kids? My sister stays in touch with like Ashley, Zarlin, and Brianna. Mm-hmm. Um, she's always stayed kind of close to them because Brianna had has children and, and Ashley and them are kind of all around the, the same age and know the same people. But yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time I really talked to any of them other than like seeing Brianna on the show recently. So yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't dabble too much after that with uh, any of the people, which is kind of interesting because... 
that's you think you would have would have, but everyone just right. went in such different directions. And if you know the show well enough, you know probably what I'm talking about. But. Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. When you were watching the show, did you ever have moments where? Well, actually, for example, your mom and dad, like when they were talking and they were doing interviews about all of you kids and stuff, was that like hard to see? Because I mean, they were so honest and that's stuff Mm -hmm. that we all are. It's always said in real life, but you never see it as a kid necessarily. Yeah. You have a lens on things that are happening that we in normal life do not. So, yeah. like, was that weird to see, like, all of their thoughts? Not really, because if you know my family at all, there is no filter from brain to mouth. So, <laughs> you know, my dad was always, like, pulling the curtain back on things. Like, as a kid, it was like, oh, that's Shamu. That's really cool. No, that's a killer whale. Here's them throwing seals all over the place. That's what, <laughs> that's them. Not this thing in a tank. That's them. And my mom just doesn't there's no stopping her thought. And so like for us, it was like, it was on the show. Like we had heard it plenty of times. Like, okay. I would say like my family was like, if I went three for four with a home run, my family like, okay, what happened? The one at bat, like, wait a second. Like I I went three for four. Like, you know, if I had 24 points in basketball, my mom would go, I wish you had more of those three point (laughs) ones. And it's like, so yeah, we, we heard that already. So like having it, cemented in tv history wasn't much different than like a normal day anyway do you feel like there was times like later in the show especially because the show really did evolve a lot from the early seasons but and you mentioned earlier you know the wine throw and stuff were there moments of like watching your mom on tv and like things like that or think arguments and stuff where you were like how did you feel watching that do you get in this like you know sun mode where you're like want to protect your mom obviously or do you kind of have to have a barrier up in order to not go crazy there was a little bit of both just because like i do obviously know my mother and i know she can like talk herself into positions and make somebody either uncomfortable on purpose or not um because she's just trying to do something whether it's she knows what's going to happen she's trying to just do something she's trying to make things move or not let someone else feel comfortable. So she'll do something to make herself feel uncomfortable. So they're not, it's just like weird sabotage, but um, (laughs) yeah, there were moments where like you see people say stuff and, you know, obviously you saw me like have perspective on people from a distance. Like, so Mm -hmm. I kind of knew what people were about and what their, you know, intentions were or what they were trying to do. And so I think I had a good kind of wrap on that, but I was Mm -hmm. so like focused on what I was doing and where we were going and, um, you know, just trying to trying to keep moving. And again, I, I don't know, I think you you look back and you're like, wow, like she said that or why did I do that? <laughs> but again, like that's that's what made it. I think if yeah. you took all those away that there would be no spinoffs or be New York or New Mexico. I don't even know where the other ones are. <laughs> <laughs> New Mexico, New Mexico might be good. So like I said, I put up some questions. The most asked question, which I already told you, are you single? Will you date me? We have, can he sit on my face? Are you gay for pay? Gay? Honestly, wishful thinking. <laughs> are you single? Will you go out with me? Will you have my baby? He's so hot. How did he get hotter? Do you have an OnlyFans? <laughs> are you single? Only because fans. I'd tap that. 
<laughs> well, I thought about OnlyFans, and then they said no more explicit material, so I, I, I had to back off. I was almost well, there. Almost there. Well, you know what? It's it's not until October 1st, so <laughs> I got, I got you're, a month. you're good. Cash in, cash it in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I think that's funny, too, because we were right before social media exploded. And right. I think that probably saved years off my life. I think if I was five years later into this spin, I think life could have been so much different uh, for me and everyone around us because we were kind of like, we were like Michael Jordan, like where no one really saw everything he was doing because there wasn't Mm -hmm. the same stuff where like LeBron James can't like do anything without someone noticing. So I think we were kind of in this weird buffer window where it was like, yeah, social media was just like, Tom was just a part of everyone's life on MySpace. Right. So that was about it. We were all like literally. making our backgrounds with our email music and stuff, but it wasn't this like we were literally relent- full on coding. <laughs> yeah, literally. So different. We weren't part of this relentless assault, which is now social media, which is right. sad. And like I said, I when we were meeting with the other kids, and it's like you guys have been. You were eight. And like the heart of your life was in the middle of this craze. And now, like, they're the benefits they have right a million followers and they can monetize it's like right. i have forty four thousand, and if i like make a comment that people don't like i lose 100 so it's like right we i i miss that but it's like no matter what i post there's like two people that are like you suck you're the worst person <laughs> ever what you treated your mom like you should die it's like wow like okay so you know we try right. to put that stuff aside and and that was another thing i i couldn't i couldn't imagine of in the middle of all that social media where it is now like i wow i I feel lucky what was your favorite memory of shooting orange county you know what like i said i think for me like i'm a big picture guy i try to like aggregate all the things and put it into like a big pot and look at how cool it was because we just got the we got to do stuff and be people that you know we probably weren't like i wasn't any more of a celebrity than most people i just happen to be on this show and um, it provided me such like a, a, a door to, to other people. And I, that's really what I'd enjoy the most is like, I got to have conversations with people that I had no right having conversations with, or I got to be a <laughs> part of, I got to go to parties or, you know, be a part of situations that I had no busy being in because I was this person. Um, right. and now like, it's funny because it'll take, people will know me for months when they first get to know me. And it's like, wait a second. Like, why didn't you tell me you were that guy? It's like, who, why would I tell you that? Why would I introduce myself as this person? And it's funny because it, the show, so I had a, my, one of my business partners, and when I first intro, like was trying to meet him, you know, it was through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know, my world for a while it was LinkedIn. And I was talking about right. this weird technology he worked on. And he was like, who is this baseball dude? Like what? <laughs> he was about to just like write me off. And as he's about to like delete my email or my LinkedIn e- uh, message, his wife walks by, sees my face and goes, isn't that the guy from the, the show? And he goes, what are you talking about? That's the kid from the housewife show. You got to hear what he has to say. Cause this is too weird. And now we've oh, been working together for like, going on five years. And, um, that, you know, he would have just, you know, vacated me and, and all this stuff. Wow. But his wife happened to walk by right at that moment, saw my face and was like, wait, that's this goofy ass kid. Was there ever moments where the show damaged opportunity or ruined anything? Oh, for sure. For you? Oh, well, so the show was the conduit for my screw up, I guess we could say. So, okay. you know, my my second year in playing in a pro ball, minor league baseball, I was in Chicago and we were 
going to film at the field for one game. So my mom was coming in town. The production staff was coming in town. So it's like, this is a whole thing now. So it's like mm-hmm. the ownership is involved. Like they have to make it a thing. And so it's like a Saturday or something on weekends, mm-hmm. we would open up the gates early and we would come out early onto the field after we went through warmups and we got our uniforms on and we would come out and everyone could come down and get autographs and like right. take pictures and all this stuff. And so all up to this game, I'm like, holy crap, holy crap. I hope I'm playing. I hope this is like, you know, because right off the bat, that's awful. It's like, oh, they come to right. the game. Oh, there's his ass on the bench. Like, right. so in my head, like this is already could potentially be a super embarrassing day. So I get to the field. Of course, I'm not playing. So I text mom, hey, I'm not playing today. This is already awful. I know you guys are going to be here. Just don't come down onto the field. Just stay in the bleachers, do all that stuff, whatever. Don't come down, trot down onto the field with the mascot and do all this crap because like I'm already like just want to like jump in front of a car. At that time, again, I'm I think I'm newly like 21 years old. So like whatever we are at 21, you could probably like surmise your own (laughs) what that is. Absolutely. And and so, of course, like I'm thinking of myself in that space, not what my mom and she's going through. So. Here they come, camera, the big boom, mic, and the mascot are trotting down, and they're coming right down to the field. So, like, hell is here for me. Mm-hmm. And um, she comes right on the field, like, goes to give me a hug, and I whisper in her breath, like, get the F away from me. And I mm-hmm. walk off and go, like, up into the clubhouse because, like, I, like it's awful. If I was able to look into her life, She's getting my text messages while she's with the producers. Right. We've already talked to ownership. They want us. This is big for them. Like, we have to go down onto the field. So she didn't have a choice. I wanted right. nothing to do with it. She was in a space where, you know, the, the ownership, the owner of the team is, like, so excited to have a show. And, the like, it's a huge right. deal for everybody. Lo and behold, like, the first inning, my teammate who was playing and said to me, like, is throwing up in the outfield. So I get to play basically almost the entire game and it, it works out. I have like a, a big hit and life, life is fine. Season we shoot, my season is over now. And now right. this show is airing. So everybody around oh. the country is seeing me tell them the F off like and storm off. So now we get hate mail and emails to the production, but emails to my team. We will not renew season tickets of Shane Keogh as a part of this team. Shane Keogh should be decapitated, should be castrated. Like the, it was, it was a castrated. Oh, (laughs) everything. (laughs) So I show up to spring training, which is like, I got probably there in January and spring trainings in March. And that was the thing I get there, start getting ready, whatever. And they bring me in the office. It's like, look, you can't go back there. No, not only do they, they can't bring you back because they don't want to lose revenue. But we feel it's not safe. So I had to then go up a level, which in all situations is pretty good. But now I, it's like my window's smaller to put up or you're out because I, right. there's nowhere else for me to go. And so, like, again, my doing put me in a position to be more vulnerable, which could have been more successful. But again, headspace, timing, like all this right. stuff, like like what people were saying. And it was like... And you're just like, wait a second, like, that's what people feel about me. And like, I, I what I really don't feel like I did something to deserve this where right. you feel like deserving is like, yeah, if I would have punched her and kicked her on my way out. Yeah. But like what people said and the, 
the visceral hatred people had for me at that point because of that moment, like that's the hands down one because it, 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 it altered my life forever right. and, and end up being like a positive thing because I realized the power of a moment. Like I realized right. how important this little thing that you don't realize it can circle back and kick you right into nuts. Um, right. And that did over and over. And it still does because people just assume that's, me that little still 18 micro, years old yeah that microwave moment is who i am mm-hmm. and it's like wow like let me put you at your most embarrassing uh, like vulnerable worst moment around your friends your teammates national tv all the fans in the stands like and I, let me see what you do do you still walk around shirtless all the time uh no the funny thing is <laughs> I, I very much have clothes on all the time even i'm in florida <laughs> and stuff like that yeah that was i never had clothes on and Never. there was a there was a phase where I wore two polos at the same time. Um, oh yeah, with the pop collars. Too. Yeah, it, just yeah. stupidity. Like why? Like why would I do that? Uh, <laughs> I, that was the, my era the, too. <laughs> the sleeve I, where I cut the sleeves off a collared shirt. Like oh like, oh yeah oh, oh yeah like yeah yeah just that's so, a look <laughs> yeah ridiculous absolutely ridiculous. I had like the diamond studs just like. Again, I, I feel like one of those crabs that like loses, like it morphs out of a shell. It's like, wow, that was my shell before. Like, holy cow. Do you think your mom will ever get married again? Uh, I don't know, man. She she technically didn't divorce my father till like a year before he passed. I think mm-hmm. I think for her, that was something where, you know, marriage was that was for her. That was right. That was her guy. She was never going to like disconnect that regardless of his struggle and I, mm-hmm. I don't know i don't know if she even like there's even any benefit to doing so now someone putting a ring on her finger and uh professing their love for her in a public setting i maybe i hope so uh she definitely mm-hmm. deserves it um but i, I don't know if, like the the business of marriage would be up her alley anymore but sure. um, I, I hope i hope some version of that uh you know, she i think she deserves that as much as anybody you know, oh, man, a Gina wedding though, I would that would be great. I would. Oh my, oh my gosh! I cried at my sister's wedding. I'd be a mess at my mom's for sure. Oh, my, my sister and you would probably walk her down the aisle too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure my brother and I would. You and would your brother, yeah, that. yeah. Oh, my sister. Oh my I remember everyone was looking over their shoulder, like, "What is happening?" I was. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, "Who is this guy back here? Who invited him?" Like, yes. What is happening, guys? <laughs> Was it ready for this? Oh, if you didn't play baseball, is there any other sports you would choose? Uh, I was supposed to play football. All my okay. friends that played football, I uh, had a few friends that played in the NFL. They they said that should have been the sport I played, just because my I was you know a bigger guy, I could run. But my mom thankfully never let me play because um, I again I got hurt playing baseball. I couldn't imagine people my size trying to kill me on purpose so i right <laughs> i think baseball was good at golf i wish i would have stuck with longer when i was a kid because when my dad got hit um he stopped playing because mm-hmm. he just never was the same uh with his with his left side of his body so i play right. now and i love it i wish i would have had more of it in my life early but yeah i mean baseball baseball is it, it taught it was so like life because you play every day you i got to meet people from everywhere uh mm-hmm. you know harvard to dominica republic to guys that had everything to people that didn't even know what a glove felt like till they came to america and stuff like that so it just taught me so much about what's real and you know how to not get bogged down with too much because it's you're not going to be successful all the time you can do everything right and there's a guy standing there and golf's the same right. way 
hit it right in the middle of the fairway and there's a sprinkler head that shoots it a hundred feet out of bounds and you got to just, okay, here I am. I got to readjust and, and make it work. So I, I think sports in general, are just so good at that. So uh, mm-hmm. I was a good swimmer for a long time too. So I don't know. Again, they all led me here. My body told me I wasn't good enough for sports anyway. So I think it all worked out. Did you guys get paid as cast members, like the kids and everything? Because I don't Not know if they do now. Me. Oh, yeah, they do. Now, oh, I wish they do? We, I, oh, hell yeah. I wish it was then oh. was now. Now was then, yeah. Or the first season, no. What what it should have been is I wish my mom like had the the savvy. And I think she had a lot of trust in the mm-hmm. early creators and the, the production of the show because she should have been on like the creative staff and had like right. production of rights and, and had what, you know, Scott and some of these other people have, even though she's not a part of it, like she was a vital part of it getting off the ground. And so that's what right. I wish would have been happening. But no, I mean, I think the, these later episodes, yeah, you're talking, you're talking high six figures. But oh, yeah. I forgot you, you were over 18. So yeah, like, I don't think the younger kids now get paid, but if you're over 18 and like yeah. filming, they do. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. I mean, there was, there was, but not, not a lot. No, I mean, right. in the beginning, it was not very much. And then time they got to a point where they were starting to maybe make some, the cohesiveness of that original group started dissipating they they tried to like go do it on their own and get their own people and then right you know someone just wanted to keep being on the show and you know took a deal that that wasn't the best and that kind of was what stuck but now they're i mean i'm assuming they make pretty good money now um mm-hmm. but yeah in the beginning early it was charity <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for everything you have been incredible there's so much here that i can't wait for everyone to hear it is there anything else that you would want to like plug or let us know or have people um what you want people to know about um like i said i'm a pretty transparent guy uh if you have if you ever want to chat um, i'm probably going to start doing instagram live again so if you have uh if you're doing something cool in the world uh technology or you got a cool career you're talking about i would love to talk to you about it you know i'm pretty open on social media at, at shane keo pretty easy i'm glad you're going through the the episodes now and kind of refreshing my memory because i had forgotten so much about this stuff and so it, it's crazy like i said i i feel like i'm in this time capsule in this period forever and I don't hate it because it's fun to, it brings you back to see how far I feel like I've grown. Um, 1,000%. So it's nice to have that that peg in the sand back there to go, oh, wow, that's where I was. Holy crap. <laughs> I think like what you were saying earlier about how, you know, how, or well, I guess I was t- kind of telling you, you kind of had like, of course you made mistakes or whatever in your past, but you have this level of maturity there as well. I hope people after listening to this see that, you've kind of have the full level now. You're not that 18 year old, the half. Yeah, maybe. Uh, still good because <laughs> you literally, I mean, it truly, this has been such a great, great talking to you and seeing, you know, where you are f- all these years later. So yeah, um, well, thanks again. It, no, this is Steve. This is so much fun. I'm, I'm always happy to do these things and, uh, and chat with everybody and, and go over awesome. these things. They, they're a big part of my life and I know they're a big part of other people's lives. So happy to do it. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening to this special bonus track. But now we said it, we'll be releasing our full extended interviews on Mondays. And as always, make sure to rate and subscribe to the pod. 